Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast presented by Ingalls, the official supermarket of Gramlich and McLean. We have so many games to break down from week one, some shockers for sure, uh, that Duke Clemson game, Mac. But before we get there, we did kind of say we were going to put on episode Tuesday, and here's what happened. Mac had the longest TV day ever, and (laughs) of course, my house has been hit by COVID yet again. And everybody's fine, but we have the COVID. So we decided to push it because it was just not, it was just not going to happen. But here we are. It's Wednesday and we have some games to talk about, Mac. And, but before we even get to that, you, sir, were on TV for literally every day of the last year, it seems, but specifically on Monday, (laughs) you were on every single show. I mean, you just killed it. It was fun. I appreciate that. Thank you, partner. Um, it, It was a big time. And, and of course, being the, fifth day out of a five-day trip. Uh, You're a little tired, you're a little gassed, but it it was a lot of momentum, especially coming off Sunday night and and the Knowles just absolutely rocking America uh, with their dominant performance. We'll talk about that, like you said, here in a second. But So I had some wind, some good wind in my sails uh, to keep me going and and get me excited. And quite frankly, I wanted to be on a lot of these platforms to talk that talk and to kind of stick that chest out for the ACC and specifically – looking at what the Knowles were able to do there, what Carolina was able to do. Um, it, it was a lot of fun to, to really share that. So we had radio early in the morning, 8 to 11, then doing a little sports center, a little college football live, ACC PM, went to a Duke tailgate, did some fun social stuff there, and then, of course, had our show pregame, halftime, and, and postgame. But long, long day, and, uh, you know, it was good to get back home see little Amelia, see Khaki, and uh, uh, of course, be here with them. Yes, that they needed you back, I'm sure, Mac. And so before we get to all these games, we have a bajillion to talk about. Mac mentioned he was on radio. You can hear our podcast, by the way, on SiriusXM, Channel 371. Don't forget, that is uh, still very much a thing. And if you're listening on SiriusXM, you're going to hear about Ingles because we're always talking about Ingles, the official supermarket <laughs> of Graham Lick and Mac Lane. And, you know, Mac, probably some Clemson fans went to an Ingles on Tuesday morning to drown their sorrows, get some Starbucks, get a donut, you know, Whatever remember you the good things Whatever. in life. Maybe some, some issues, maybe. Right. Maybe some Duke <laughs> fans went to Ingalls late at night, Monday night, to get uh, some alcohol, perhaps, to celebrate. I don't know. I don't know how you celebrate. But Ingalls is the official supermarket of our show, and we appreciate Ingalls. And they're here for sports fans, whether you're happy or sad, Mac. That's right. They can help you out. They can help you out, KG, whatever you need, whatever you need. All right, let's get to a quick message from Ingalls and then back to these games. At Ingalls, we know your closest companions are the ones who are always there for you. The ones you trust to have your back, no matter what. Who make the hard times a little softer. And the good ones, somehow, a little better. That's what family is all about. Whether they walk on two legs or four. Ingles, all the ingredients for family. Mac, let's talk about it. Duke 28, number nine, Clemson seven on a Monday night in Durham and on prime time. So everybody saw this game for better or worse, <laughs> for better for Duke, for worse for Clemson. Let's start with Duke. It First of all, Riley Leonard, he has been on our show multiple times. He is just 
one of the best. I mean, the consummate pro uh, student yeah. athlete, really. And he was so steady in this game. He was so confident. Every time you, you mentioned once, Mac, they zoom in on his face. He just looks like nothing is bothering yeah. him. He made the big plays, the big run for the touchdown that gave Duke the lead and all the momentum. But Riley Leonard was just he was excellent in this big stage, Mac. He was. He, he handled it well. You know, the, the whole Duke team did. And, and you know, I have to give a massive shout out to Coach Elko. I mean, to, to go nine wins, you know, your first year, win a bowl game, and then to beat Clemson year two, game one, top ten opponent in the house. Um, that That is exceptional. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, word of advice, you shouldn't have signed your extension till this week. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Could have got a little more money there, big man, doing something like that. Something that hadn't been done since – I think it was 78, 79, 89, something of that nature. I'm, I'm botching that. I'm sorry. Uh, and that team was there. to ce- They were celebrating 89, that 89. team. Yeah, 89. And it was against Clemson. And it, here it is. History is, is you know, a circle. It's unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, I have to give so much love to those guys, and specifically Riley. I mean, that dude's one of the best in the country. Um, I, I thought it was fascinating that before the game, you know, Mel Kuyper comes out with his big board, and mm-hmm. Riley Leonard's listed as the third quarterback. On that list, I thought that was something the nation would have to catch up to, right? I thought that would be something maybe mid-season. Okay, some eyebrows are being raised. Who's this kid? No, right now it's happening. You know, everybody's paying attention, especially after this game Monday night, being on that center stage, as you mentioned, KG, the standalone game, and he delivered. You know, the most clutch performance with his arm. You know, it it was very timely passes. I know it wasn't the greatest stat line in the world, uh, you know, throwing the football, but running it, he was electric right at 100 yards, a massive touchdown that really just felt like it broke the back of Clemson mm-hmm. defense uh, and the confidence that they had. And, and then it, like, opened the floodgates for Duke. Like, everybody's feeling good when that happened. And, you know, his, his celebration doing the little, you know, Michael Jordan yeah. got a little security guard. What, what's up, man? <laughs> um, and, and just who he is as a person, I don't think that can be overstated enough. I mean, that, that's the consummate leader, mm-hmm. the way that he handles life. I mean, we got to talk to him pre- post game and, you know, sit down there and just asking him a hand all these different questions. There were tears in his eyes when he walked up there. I mean, that guy was, you know, celebrating ecstatically with his family, with friends. His brother was, you know, there. I'm not sure how old he is. He looks like a bigger guy. I'm sure he's in high school. And he was painted up with a bunch of other Riley's <laughs> friends in the front row and, uh, you know, rushed the field. And so that, that has to be an unbelievable feeling. And then when he came over, just the way he was answering questions, the way that he handles life. Um, I asked him about just, you know, how, how do you stay so calm? You kind of brought that mm-hmm. up there. And and when, you know, live bullets are flying by you, all this crazy, I mean, people are trying to hurt you. And uh, he says, man, you know, I have an audience of one. And, uh, you know, I play for him. I don't play for anybody else. And I know there's so many other things going on. I'm just playing a football game right here. There's nothing, you know, you know better than that. Uh, so why would I worry? Why would I do anything of that nature? So he's just, he, he's one of the best. And uh, I thought his performance was absolutely spectacular. And we thought that this is what it would take. Now, if you would have told me that uh, Riley only threw for 175 yards, uh, I wouldn't think that that Duke would have won. But the way that he ran the football, and more specifically, the way that this defense played KG for Duke, that was an amazing thing that I just, I didn't know that they could reach that level. That was the difference maker. I mean, on our preview show on Monday, we talked about the four units and we said Duke's defense was probably the weakest of the four. And Duke's defense, I think, looked like the best. They looked like the strongest of the four units. They were so good holding Clemson to seven points. Now, of course, some of that 
Clemson shooting itself in the foot, Mac. And before we get to Clemson, I mean, Duke, their physicality and their speed, I thought were just better, better than Clemson, which is yeah. crazy. I thought Duke's offensive line was able to hold up against Clemson's pass rush. We talked about that as well, Mac. Graham Barton and the boys. Riley Leonard also very elusive. He able, he's able to help them out. But it didn't feel like Clemson's defense was really able to bother Duke much at all. Right. Right. I'll start. I'll kind of finish on the offense here, then go over over to the defense for Duke. Um, I thought the offensive line played exceptional for Duke. I thought that Graham Barton looked like one of the best players on the field. I mean, there, there was no worry. His pass set, his, his variety of pass sets, where you know he hit guys with a, a quick kind of jump set, a vertical set, uh, uh, straight across. I mean, all these different things that he was able to do. I mean, it was kind of child's play, to be quite frank. I, I know nobody wants to watch the line of scrimmage and watch offensive line play, but he was sweet. And, and there never was a moment where he even got beat, to be quite honest. And, and we talked about this too, KG. What an opportunity for a guy like that yep. going against this Make defense and going against these NFL names. I surely think that he made money. I mean, even in the run game, just tossing guys. I think it was the second or third snap of the game. He buried Justin Maskell. I mean, the, the, to, to see that and to see the strength, uh, it, it was really impressive. It, it truly was. And then, you know, the running backs getting involved. And, and in the passing game, I thought that was even more, you know, electric for them because there was some wheel routes, rail routes, whatever you want to call it, where Riley just sees the blitz. He kind of baits them in and boom, hits them. There's no one home. And, uh, you know, just a, a great job dissecting that. Kevin Johns called it an amazing game plan. And, again, cannot give them enough love. On the defensive side of the ball for Duke, they were aggressive, physical, and just confident. I mean, the way that those guys were dancing around, jumping around in between plays, celebrating. I mean, they were bullying Clemson's offense, to be quite frank, at, at different times. And, you know, I, I thought that the speed, like you said, was nuts. I mean, it, guys were just all over the place. Wide receivers able to get zero separation at all. The secondary was was – it was impressive is, is the the easiest thing that I can say. And I know that Clemson had 400-plus yards. I know that they moved the ball at, at will, you know, kind of to get first downs. I think they had close to 30 first downs, but they couldn't get in the end zone. Couldn't they score. don't break uh, to a T for this Duke defense. So let's talk about Clemson because, to your point, Mac, Clemson made a lot of errors. I mean, five red zone trips and seven points is almost impossible. Like, that's almost impossible to do. Yeah. The two fumbles – on the one yard line are going to kill you, obviously. I mean, that's that's just, it's not going to work out if you do that. I don't care who you are. But from a, let's look at Clemson from a big picture, Mac. How, and this is, you're someone who's played for Clemson, how does Clemson take the field and look slower and less physical <laughs> than Duke? And Duke's a good team. Like, I'm, I'm really trying sure. to talk about Clemson without taking anything away from Duke because Duke is now I'm ranked not, and they deserve not. it. They should have been ranked. We've yeah. been saying that. They should have been ranked preseason. Right. right. But, Basically, what has happened? Yeah. <laughs> Explain it. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. Yeah, uh, I, I really, it's hard to, right? Like, I saw Jeremiah Trotter, who, you know, I think is still banged up. Maybe it's a hamstring deal. I'm not sure, but right. uh, just did not look explosive. Didn't look like he was able to, to be his true self. I saw Barrett Carter missing a, a ton think of plays. Think about the that play where Barrett Carter had, he had Riley yeah. Leonard wrapped up and Leonard For a away. sack. Yeah. For a sack. It would have changed he the game. He's not able to bring him down. It would have changed, changed everything. And, uh, you know, I saw a lot of plays like that. You know, secondary still getting kind of, you know, worked at times. Now, again, much improved. They didn't take a ton of deep shots. I think the longest I don't pass think the was, secondary was really the issue 
overall. Well, I think missing tackles wise, well, yeah. I will say they 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 didn't do sure. their part. Uh, but no one really did, and yeah. that was another thing that was really strange. I think the most alarming piece of it, um, what was the lack of pressure, penetration, and execution from the defensive line. Yeah. Um, especially a unit that you know I thought was going to have three monsters rotating at will in there, and Clemson or excuse me, Duke's offensive line really handled business. So, um, going to be interesting to see moving forward with Clemson. You know, do, do they go into this coming week, which we'll talk about more extensively on Friday, and score seventy plus? Do they mess around and, and get booed off the field? Yeah, when is the last is it just time kind of a middle Clemson scored yeah. seventy in a game? <laughs> I, it's a lot of points. I don't know. We'll have to look. Maybe against uh, Louisville, fifty. <laughs> right. Even in one of those it's type true. of games, like an FCS game, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do some stats and research. Yeah, KG, KG stats, stats and info. We'll find it. That. She'll have that for you on Friday. <laughs> um, and, and then you know, kind of to flip the page to the offense, four hundred plus yards. Uh, you know, close to 30 first downs, moving the ball at will, not like, not what we thought it would look like, but effective in, in a sense. Um, especially Will Shipley. I mean, Will yeah. Shipley was the best player on the field for sure. Uh, all, heart and soul, like that dude. I know he had a couple of miscues with the fumble. I'm kind of leaning quarterback, and I'll talk about the turnovers in a yeah. second. Uh, the drop pass, a couple of drop passes on fourth down, and one that led to a pick. Um, he did everything he could. I mean, every time he touched the ball, he he's trying to score and, uh, you know, did once. But it just, it just wasn't the explosive shots downfield things that we thought at all, KG. And that's not what I saw in camp. It's not what I saw when I was here. Uh, the confidence level, I just didn't feel it. And uh, it was really intriguing to me, Kelly. You know, you bring up the confidence word. The, to me, that's that was the other big difference. I thought Duke looked confident in everything they were doing. And Davos, when he said that to us, he said, you know, you don't necessarily have to run the best offense in the world, but your players have to believe that it is. Your players have to be confident. And it just didn't feel like Clemson had confidence on the offensive side of the ball. And that was an issue last year and, and, and I would say the year before as well. Mac, what about your thoughts on Cade? I mean, we, we thought about – we looked at the quarterback competition coming in on Monday, and I said there's way more pressure on Cade than Riley. Right. And I thought right. that showed no. up. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm doing some quick math here, not with uh, my brain, but with my calculator. Smart. Uh, so he threw it at, at six. Yeah, right. It is. I didn't go to do uh, 63% uh, passing, which, you know, not bad at all. Uh, 200 yards, mm, you'd like to see a little bit more. A touchdown and an interception. Again, if I compare these two stat lines just strictly on how the quarterbacks threw the ball, I would say Clemson won the football game, but they didn't. Well, they and the difference with Kate Mack piece. was 4.9 yards per attempt. Exactly. That's and that's where issue. I was going to get. The, the pushing the ball downfield was just – it didn't happen. And, and here's the deal. This is what's interesting, you know, without being in those meeting rooms and really knowing what the, the concepts and where people are trying to go with the football. It, it almost was like his <laughs> – I hate to say the word scared, but that's what it looked like at times. Um, frightened. Uh, led to checking the ball down early or trying to escape early and, and routes didn't develop. So we never really got to see a chance sometimes for the ball to be pushed downfield. Uh, to average four yards of throw, I mean, that's that's nuts. That's really low. I mean, you want to be averaging that per rush, uh, not per pass. And and so that was something that was confusing to me. The, the, the pocket awareness, um, it felt a lot like that Tennessee game. And Tennessee was way better defensively. And I thought the offensive line was was – Way worse than comparatively. I thought the offensive line played great for Clemson against Duke here, running the football and, and protecting him. Now, 
when it was we got to pass every play, that's a little different. Those guys can just pin their ears back and go. But overall, I thought those guys played well. So what does Cade have to do? I don't know if it's a confidence meter. I don't know if it's, you know, just calming down, relaxing. Now, the loss is out of the way. The pressure should, you know, be gone. You know, go out there and, and just play free. How can you do that? How can these guys happen? Uh, and then kind of lastly, the, the the last negative thing, and then we can talk some turnovers, KG. The wide receivers, yet again, to me, did not feel like they were getting separation. Didn't feel like they were getting these big plays, getting open. And again, is that because Kay didn't have time in his own head to throw them? I'm not sure. Um, but I, I wanted to see a lot more from those guys, uh, how they were targeted. Like the fact that, you know, Bo wasn't targeted for like a quarter. Adam Randall wasn't yeah. targeted for a quarter. Um, Cole Turner didn't get involved until the end of the game. Um, it was really strange, all of it, to, to be quite frank. I, I had – there's no way in the world I thought this is what this offense would have looked like in this first game. And we have to remember this was the first game of this new offense. So yeah. a lot could change between now and the end of the year. But to your point, Mac, sure. not, not, not a great start. And you do have two games coming up where you can get right. Uh, and then you have Florida State. And we'll talk about the Knowles. But, Mac, you want to hit on those turnovers. The turnovers were just deadly. I mean, there's no other way around no. it. And, Mac, no. I hate to say – but what did I say at the end of our, our pod? I said, how, do, how does Duke win this game? Turnovers, baby. You have, to do, you have to force turnovers when you're an underdog like that. And, I mean, Duke did a great job. They, they did. And uh, they forced eight of them. Uh, I count turnover on downs as a turnover. I count a blocked uh, field goal as a turnover. And then you've got a couple of fumbles and an interception in there as well. And that, it's, it's hard to, to recover from that, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost insurmountable. Um, and the interesting thing about them, KG, is – Pretty much all of these, minus the you know some, maybe some blocks or something of that nature, uh, were on Clemson. You know when you look at that first one on the goal line, uh, you know it's it's a bad exchange. And again, when you look at it, whose fault was it? I watched that thing like twenty times, and I can't tell. So with that in mind, I think I lean to the quarterback. If you're going to pull it, you got to pull it. If you're handing right. it, that running back is going to take it. And, and you know Will Shipley doesn't really fumble. Um, so I thought that that was kind of on him. The the, the next one. Uh, with Maffa, you know, the, the left tackle for whatever reason, you know, I don't know if, if the, the defender just beat him with an in-and-out move or what, but the left tackle's turning around, going backwards, and his helmet hits the ball. I mean, that, that's crazy, and that was such a, a back-breaking thing. Then you've got the pick, you know, kind of bouncing off Shipley on, on when he's trying to make a play there, and then, of course, the downs. And, you know, that one, to me, it, it what didn't happen last, but to me, it, it was the most, like, the whole game wrapped up in a bubble type feeling because it's fourth down, cage scrambling, and he slides a yard short of the line of, or of the line to gain there to get the first down. And everybody knows it, it, as soon as you slide, you're down. Right. Like they mark that thing right when you start, and so that it's a massive learning lesson for him. With if you're going to run on fourth down, you have to be a running back. You have to plow through whatever it is to get every inch that you can to get this game going. And he probably thought he had it by a mile. Uh, but at the end of the day, you, you can't leave it up to any judgment. You can't leave it up to anyone's opinion. When did he start going down? Get through that line of scrimmage. And then who knows? Maybe it would have been a different game. But it, it happened. And, uh, you know, Duke was absolutely able to capitalize. Cannot give them enough love. Mac, there's so much more we could talk about with Clemson and Duke, and we'll hit on both those teams on Friday as we preview the weekend. But let's transition to uh, the game that the ACC really wants to hang its hat on from the weekend. Florida State dominates LSU 45-24. to 
We told you. Look, we were not always right. <laughs> we were not always right this week, and I'm not claiming that. Uh, but we were right about this game, Mac. And I, there's no other way to describe this but domination. The first half was close. Right. The first half, you know, there were some mistakes back and forth. Both teams were settling in. I described it as a Spider-Man meme. Both teams were just pointing at each other and making mistakes. <laughs> but the second half, Florida State said, no, we're, we're going to handle this. And yeah. the passing game was electric. Jordan Travis, 23 of 31 for 342, four touchdowns and a pick. We talk about Cade averaging five yards per completion. Jordan Travis, 11 yeah. yards. I mean, come difference. on. Big difference. So yeah. this Florida State offense was, and we can talk about the defense too, Mac, but the offense with Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, that is why you go to the portal to get a guy like Keon Coleman. This team uh... – they look so good. They look I so mean, good. It, it was it was awesome to see the aggressiveness uh, throughout the game. Coach Norvell, Jordan Travis. Uh, th- there was a moment in time they could have taken a knee, but they said, "No, sir, we're going. We're scoring. We're going to give it to Jaheim Bell. He's going to yeah. run over one of your DBs and just stare at him and say, "Not today, little man. Not today." <laughs> too small. And, uh, I-, I loved it. Yeah, too way too small. Uh, I-, I absolutely loved it. And and these guys were totally electric. Now. The first half was interesting. I, I don't know if it was pressure or, or whatever it was. I think it's excitement, week one, over big excitement, moment. Week yeah, one. over yeah. excitement, something, something. Uh, and Jordan just feeling like he had to do too much because there was some weird plays that I have not seen him make in in years, uh, where he's forcing the issue, trying to make things happen. Turnovers occurred because of it. Really, just silly plays. And then they got to the locker room at halftime and they said, "No more of this. Like, let's go. Let, let's get it going." And they played. So free. It was beautiful to see. I referenced the, you know, fourth down conversion towards the middle end of the game there. Maybe it was the third quarter where, you know, LSU's blitzing off the edge. Jordan Travis just, he's a magician back there, truly. Uh, The way that he has the feel for the game, his pocket presence is electric. And he just baits him in and says, come on, come here, come get me. And then, boop, pops it over to Tolafili. Tolafili takes it 40 yards, lands at the one-yard line. And then the very next play, I think, just is the epitome of Jordan Travis and his understanding of football, his awareness, that spidey sense. You talk about the meme, his spidey senses were in full effect there. He is reading the right defensive end, the right edge player, end-of-line player, whatever you want to call it, and that's the go. If he comes, he's taking it. If he's standing there, he hands it off and goes. That guy's standing there. Now, what he feels is there's a blitz coming off of the left side and again, I don't know how he saw it. It had to be just a total feel thing because he pulled that ball based off of that, went the other way, walks into the end zone. And, and I was just like, dude, <laughs> special, special, special guy. And, and, and you know, I think the, the control of the offense, KG, the throws that he was making, there was a handful of drops too. Like Johnny Wilson yes. could have had even more yards. First half. Jordan Travis could have had even more yards. Um, but they found a way. And, and, you know, again, can't speak enough highly about Keon Coleman. I think he's the best receiver in the league right now. Dude. Uh, you know, I kind of have my list and Johnny was number one. I think Keon's number one. Yeah. And I think it's hard to say he's not. What you're going to see. Yeah. What you're going to see here is Keon becomes the number one wide receiver for Florida State. But because of that, Johnny's going to get a lot more opportunities because they're going to be doubly double teaming Keon now. It, it's going to be fascinating to see how this team can keep going because they didn't run the ball super well. Now, in the second half, they did get it going, but that's their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. So when they're playing a team that isn't as massive as LSU is on the defensive line, 
How much more is that run game going to be implemented? The most terrifying thing in the world for me, KG, and not really for me. I love it. This is I'm thriving in this room right now because uh, we, we've got the best team in the country, I think, in Florida State. They can get better. Yeah. And I think they will get better. And you're not going to see the penalty. My goodness, all those penalties, which a lot of them I think the refs were – Refs were looking through some, some Laker-colored Laker goggles there. Right. I don't know were what's the, up with that. Were the refs part of the family? <laughs> I don't know. The family. It's a fair they question. were in there. Take that family out of here. Uh, so clean that up, and my goodness, you know, you, you see what it happens. Uh, defensive side of the ball cannot give them enough credit. Those goal line stands, KG, Whew. nuts. And Way those were huge tempo. early to grab huge. momentum back. Yeah, massive. I mean, listen, first two plays of the game, LSU saying, see ya, 50 yards. Right. Boom, see ya, another 20 yards. We're at the one-yard line. Seven straight plays of getting smacked in the face by FSU. I mean, that was awesome because they had the third down penalty. That converted it to a first and, and half-yard line, and LSU couldn't do anything. Those guys were physical, strong, aggressive, explosive. I love what I saw from this team. I love what I saw from this defense. And, uh, again, I think that Florida State's going to get better. It was funny. The AP poll came out yesterday, KG, and I talked to a couple of different voters, uh, Brett McMurphy being one of them. And, you know, when we were talking with him, he was like, no, you know, I'm going to have Georgia one, Michigan two. We'll see. Maybe Florida State three. I said, Brett, why would you not put Florida State number one? I said, we're just coming off of preseason rankings where what, what are we ranking things off of? Who had the best resume? Who had the best game? Who looked the best over the weekend? Let's rank it off of that. And, uh, you know, he says his deal, and then 30 minutes later he texts us and says, I'm putting Florida State number one. <laughs> I agree. Look at you, Matt. And there was a handful of people, right? I need to be a congressman or something. I'll tell you what I'm going to do <laughs> is obvious. next week I'm calling every single AP voter, <laughs> and I'm going to get them to swing. We're going to get the Knowles number one sooner than later. Uh, but I, let's be honest. Who looked better? Yeah. Ohio State? Absolutely not. Bama? Yeah. Meh. Georgia? No. Who looked better? And Michigan? Come on, they scored 30 points. You should argue, too, the team that has is willing to challenge themselves like that should get the bump That's right. in Florida State. That's right. And, Mac, the, right. the two things that we really hit on and kind of were the swing points in when we were previewing this game, A, the receivers, <laughs> which which team had the better unit? Obviously, Florida State. And then and even though Thomas was um, caught the ball well for LSU. But then secondly, my question was, could Florida State stop the run? And, man, right. they did a really good job of slowing yeah. down um, LSU on the ground, held them to 113 yards rushing. Jane Daniels is leading rusher at 64 yards. So I thought that was huge. The addition of Braden Fisk in there, Fabian Lovett. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida State is going to be able to stop the run this year. And right. I think that takes them, uh, in addition to everything else, takes right. them to another level. Yeah, and I think all that was uh, you know, certainly a big thing. But one that kind of fell to the wayside that actually I got to give love, my brother EJ Manuel brought up, zero sacks for LSU and mm, a team in a point. game that we thought had the greatest pass rusher in the world, the greatest athlete in the world. And Harold Perkins, he was eliminated from the game. Yeah. He was a non-factor. And really, quite frankly, I think that was on LSU and their coaching staff. They, they kind of have moved him positions a lot like Clemson last year with Trenton Simpson, trying to make him in the box linebacker and not a pass rusher. You see the ramifications. He, he was a non-factor there. So a lot of different things. I think FSU dominated. Another one was coaching, KG. I think Mike Norvell dominated the coaching, the adjustments, the the things that he handled, the plays that he dialed up. That dude's a magician, doesn't give enough credit, and I surely think that he's one of the best in the entire country, Kelly. 
All right, Mac, let's get to the rest of the games that happened this weekend. Let's start with the games from our big game breakdown. North Carolina defeats South Carolina. Oh, this was just beautiful. It, it was beautiful to see Eric McLean. <laughs> North Carolina beats South Carolina 31-17. to And I picked the Gamecocks. And let me tell you, I didn't want to. And I did so because I had no faith in this North Carolina defense. And I was worried about North Carolina not having McCollum and Tez Walker. And you know what? Neither of those things were a problem. Playmaker stepped up for UNC on the offensive side, but more importantly, Mac, this UNC defense, they held South Carolina to negative two rushing yards. They got after Spencer Rattler. This D-line looked salty. They dominated all night. Mac, who is this defense? What happened? I don't know, but I love it. I really do. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think the uh, the deal here is they looked exceptional. I mean, when, when I see these guys and the way that they were doing it schematically, but also just, like, whipping the dudes in front yeah. of them. Uh, I mean, Cayman Rucker, the butcher, uh, was on fire. That dude was going crazy. Five and a half. Five and a half. Tackles. That's four. crazy. That's freaky what he was doing. And he was dicing dudes up. I mean, it was so impressive to see uh, that dude is balling. Cedric Gray balling. Led the team in tackles. Power Eccles had a day. Uh, and then I'm super proud of this guy. But, you know, coming over and when you transfer and making that decision, uh, but seeing our guy, Amari Gaynor, you know, being kind of a different role, he, he's more of that jack position uh, coming over from Florida State. That's really like an, an edge rusher. And uh, he had two sacks and he was dominating mm-hmm. guys. He looked great in those colors, that number three jersey. Um, you know, so up front, those guys were, were nasty. And it, it's like, Finally, yeah, like yeah. you have all this talent, and, and and a lot of the guys were able to step up and, and do that and get after the quarterback, be physical, right? Like hold down the fort. And let me look at these rushing yards real quick, KG. I mean, <laughs> if you take away the sacks, which I kind of you know hate yeah, the sack yeah. number counting against, they had like four rushing yards. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. They had like negative two technically, but you're right with the sack. Yeah, when you look and at Mac, it, I mean it's crazy. Think about this. Remember we interviewed Mac Brown. What did he say? I want the run stopped. That's literally what Check. he said. <laughs> Check. I mean, it showed <laughs> up. It showed up. And here's the deal, too. It's not like they weren't running the ball. They ran the ball 31 yeah. times. 31 times and got abused. Now, here's the deal. I do have to say this. I do have to be the bad guy in the room. I did it on TV Saturday. I'll do it again here. 30 for 39, 350 yards passing. True. That ain't good. That's not good. Here's the good part, though. I'll counter it with this. Zero touchdowns through the air. When they got in the red zone, they couldn't score. Correct. Like, Ben don't break to a T. And if that's the way you want to play, that's great. Let's do it. If you you can do that, you will win a championship. If you can play this way consistently all year long because your quarterback's special. Hopefully, there's a couple of receivers that are coming in that will add to the firepower of this team here. Shout out the NCAA and <sighs> an injury and an injury. I will say that. Uh, but, but Drake is a freak and he's that guy. And uh, man, it was impressive to see this team. I think everybody was in straight jubilation when they saw this Carolina defense and the things that they were able to do. So I know uh, the, the most of that was of course our guy, Gene Chizik, and uh, he's super excited. Yeah. He's got his guys balling. So great to see it. And uh, of course, anytime those chickens get beat, it's, it's a great day in the Mac lane and Smith and Gramlick household. It's very true. It's very true. And um, what I wanted came true in that Mac Brown gave us another Simon Says Dance. And yes. at the end, he was almost, it's like he was doing the freestyle. 
Like he was swimming freestyle. I don't even know. I don't know what Mac Brown was doing, but it was so glorious. <laughs> and Mac, to your point where you talk about Rattler did throw for 350, but North Carolina stopped the run. And that's what Mac Brown wanted. And they did that. And then on the flip side, you and I said the keys. My key was can this defense show up and look better? And your key was can UNC run the ball? Having British Brooks back for North Carolina has been huge. Hit 15 carries for 103. He just looked like a vet out there, Mac. He looked like an absolute veteran, ran the ball well, was really good in pass protection. Dude is a unit. And so I think having British Brooks back, which say that five times fast, is going to be so important for UNC this year. It really is. And again, you mentioned that running the football, Drake didn't have to be the leading rusher. Yeah. My goodness, that's amazing. Great to see that. How about this, though, KG? Against a vaunted SEC defense. SEC spade. Woo! Zero sacks. Love to see. Max going to point it's out amazing. that O line, baby. Nine sacks, zero sacks. <laughs> Not good when you have one that. One of those teams going is going to win. <laughs> yeah, one, the, the other team is going to win there. Uh, so, yeah, super impressed, very proud of. Um, I got to say, I, I did have a lot of concerns about this team, and, and that kind of drifted me a little bit with them. But after seeing this, uh, I, I think that they're feeling great about themselves. I think confidence is at all-time high. And a big shout-out to our guy, Coach Mac Brown, 100th win at North Carolina, the only coach ever, ever, ever in college football to have 100 wins at two different That's places. Crazy. Of course, hook them, let's go. And uh, uh, with the heels now, which you just kind of bend those horns in, you got a ram. Mm, mm, mm. So there you go. He's killing it. Wow, Mac, that's uh, innovative. You ever thought of that before? That was big time. Well, some other school does that, right? What's the thumb doing? What's the thumb? I don't know. What My thumb, thumb is cannot be controlled right now. Okay, <laughs> North Carolina, huge win. And uh, they yeah. got to continue it this week against App State. Let's talk about the other game in our big game breakdown, Mac. It was Louisville and Georgia Tech. This game was wild, okay? Louisville wins 39-34. Georgia Tech covers, as we told you. And at halftime, you're thinking Georgia Tech's winning this thing. I mean, this is a tale of two halves, really. Georgia Tech looked great in the first half and, uh, frankly, blew it in the second half. And credit Louisville for going into that halftime on the road, completely down and out, and being able to fight back, I thought the big difference, Mac, costly turnovers for Georgia Tech. Louisville yeah. ran the ball better. These quarterbacks, right. their their lines were pretty identical, but those were the difference makers for me. Yeah, they were. They really were, which is kind of funny. They're very close. Uh, the quarterbacks' lines there. Uh, a lot to build on for both teams. I was pleasantly surprised. By both, by both honestly, teams. I was pleasantly uh, how surprised. How clean by both. it was. Yeah, the execution by both teams. Really, the identity of what they want to be. Uh, maybe Georgia Tech, you could argue they want to run the ball a little bit more effectively, uh, but they did in the first half. Uh, and then, again, all the credit in the world to Louisville. The adjustments were impressive. I mean, the fact that GT scored 28 points in the second quarter, and we're just like, whoa, this is about to get ugly. Uh, here comes the other guys scoring 26 points in the second half, emerging out, pulling away, and getting it done. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of bright spots for both Um Everything was really confirmed for me, KG, with with you know just Coach Brom and his offense, their creativity, the explosive plays, throwing it downfield, but also running the football and, yeah. and not being you know kind of singled up there. Uh, when you look at these guys, they had passes of forty yards, thirty yards, rush of seventy four yards for along there. So big explosive plays. That's what they're going to do. And then on the other side with Georgia Tech and Haynes King, uh, very impressive yeah. to see kind of his command. Now he did make one you know kind of big mistake, which you know, is what it is. It was a one-score game that kind of led to to losing there with the sack fumble. 
he just held on to that ball way too long. Trying to play hero ball, you have to have that internal clock going, and you got to get out of there. Throw the ball away, scramble, whatever it is. You can't just sit there like a lame duck and get blasted, and the ball's out. And they, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough to um, overcome that. Um, but a lot that I think I saw from him, and then even on the, they had a chance that last drive. He throws a strike across the middle yeah. for the fourth down conversion. Hits his receiver right in the hands, right in the face. He drops it. Ugh. Could have been a, a hero story, but we, we didn't get to see it. So very impressed by both these teams, KG. I think two teams that I thought were going to be middle to the back of the pack, they're rising up a little bit. Yeah. They're rising up a little bit. We'll see. I was encouraged by both. I think you know it could be a situation where maybe they both made each other look good with those defenses. <laughs> hey, we, we will see. see about that. <laughs> yes. Time will tell. But it's great offensively, for right now. It's great for right now. It's that's nice great. to think Louisville has a quarterback. Georgia Tech has a quarterback. I mean, that's <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's good, great. good to it see from both of and those it teams. It is also – it's fascinating, KG, to me, how much different having a quarterback can change your team. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is literally the most important position in all of sport – and now you're seeing with a guy like Haynes King how just capable Georgia Tech look. But halftime adjustments, win to Louisville, Georgia Tech, got to do the same, get better at that, and get back going. It's hard to only have six and a half of football. Yeah, for sure. Okay, speaking of good quarterbacks, uh, Miami. Miami defeats the other Miami 38-3. to <laughs> Miami just handled their business. You know what? This was good. I, when Miami plays a team from, what is the MAC? I think, is where Miami of Ohio, I don't want to hear about it. I think yeah, it's good yeah. when I don't hear about it. And here's right. the biggest difference. Mac, I know this made you happy. Miami ran for 250 yards on 36 carries, seven yards per carry. How about that new look O-line? You love to see it, KG, because those boys were out there feasting. And I think the biggest thing, kind of the, the topic of discussion here, which we will obviously jump in a lot you know, deeper as the week goes on oh, here, yeah. but what, what does this mean for next week? What does this mean for Texas A&M? Because that's what and matters. Exactly. Because this game, you know, is what it is. But I think it's the way that it happened, the way that they function and executed. Uh, number one, Tyler Van Dyke, accurate as all get out. 17 of 22 with an explosive play downfield, feeling really good with his wide receivers. But then, like you mentioned it, seven yards a clip, 250 yards rushing. We're playing bully ball. Okay. Like that, that's mm-hmm. what we're going to do up front. Offensive line looked fantastic. Those guys were mauling guys. And really, you got to see a full display of the Miami backfield. And I think that's the perfect world. If they can have, you know, kind of this four man option, this forehead and monster back there, that's when they're going to feel really dangerous. So excited to see that. Excited to see how I think that's going to translate to Texas AM. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, the monsters on the defensive side of the ball. That poor quarterback just, you know, should have just, well, just simmer down, simmer down. He did talk a little bit. He did. He did. He did. And that's that's what I'm saying. That's why he got hit. So you, you <laughs> saw the guys, you know, that really stepped up, the young freshmen, uh, but certainly next week, big test, and uh, can't wait to see that. We are ready for Miami and A&M, this time in Miami, and this time Restrepo is there. So that's going to be please. a big difference maker. <laughs> yes, please, don't get hurt. Back. Okay, Mac, these two games, just touch on these real fast. Pitt beats Wofford 45-7. to Syracuse beats Colgate 65-0. to Looked good. You're playing teams that should have no business being anywhere, you know, near you on the scoreboard. So we don't know much, but I think overall the quarterbacks looked good for these teams, and yep. you got the results you wanted. I think the uh, the biggest coaching point here is I'm pretty disappointed in two things. Um, number one, Syracuse didn't score in the fourth quarter. That's embarrassing. I'm just kidding. It was great. Great to see that. Uh, yeah. And number two, I'm also kind of kidding, kind of serious. You got to shut out. 
and you give it away. Our yeah. third, fourth string for defense with Pitt. I know those guys were ticked. Uh, you, you hate to see that. I was a part of a couple of those where we have like all this great effort, and then the the twentieth string gets scored on. You're just like, are you kidding me? Like this is great. Uh, you just get so <laughs> mad about it, but it is what it is. Those guys are learning. They deserve an opportunity, and they have scholarship players too, I heard, on the other side when you're playing these guys. So both teams execute at a high level. What you want to see, th- this is exactly what I expected from these two games, the effort that you saw, how they did it. I think even more specifically with Pittsburgh, ran the heck out of the ball. Offensive line looked great. Running backs looked great. Phil, you know, th- there were things he did really, really good. That one touchdown – KG, where he's scrambling around, running backwards, throws it off his back foot, and it's a touchdown, that's a pick six against Florida State. That's a pick six against Clemson. Can't do that. And, and again, I hate to be the negative guy, but it's just the way it is. It's the way that my brain works as an offensive lineman. We don't care about the good, just the bad. <laughs> that's a lesson that I, he didn't learn. And now he thinks he can get away with it, so I'm worried about that. You know, when you play a really good team, he thinks he can scramble around, just throw it up, and, yeah, it's going to be a touchdown. Instead of... You can't do that. You don't want to do that. You know, you want to make the safe play, the smart play, but that's why we have, you know, these legends that do things like that. So it, w- it was good to see this from both these teams, though. Maybe the Narduz is in his ear telling him you can't necessarily do <laughs> well, that. Well, it's one of those plays where you're like, no, no, right, no, right. <laughs> yes, yeah, great throw, man, great throw. Uh, but you're right. It'll be interesting. I'd love to hear about that conversation. <laughs> the Narduz will handle it, Mac. I, I have ultimate faith in Pat Narduzzi. Okay, three more wins that we need to hit on here. Wake Forest beats Elon 37-17. to 17. Mac, overall, Mitch Griffiths, offense looks good. Giving up yeah. 17, though. That, that's been our concern with Wake Forest is this defense going into the year. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was a weird, like, tale of two halves with, with Wake Forest because the first half, they're on fire. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got 24 points. It's 24-0, looking really good, throwing all over the yard. Wide receivers are looking great, making big plays. And then it just kind of stalled out and uh, was weird. I, I don't know if you know they just got too comfortable. They're like, okay, the yeah. game's over. You got to pick six there, which was just a silly decision. And Mitch said, you know, I, I shouldn't have thrown that. Um, and that's the kind of thing. You know, you learn a lesson in a game like that, um, and you pay for it, and you didn't get it. So now when they do play Clemson, they do play FSU, et cetera, he doesn't make that mistake. He doesn't try to do that same thing. So moral of the story, Wake Forest is going to be just fine. They're going to be really good. They're going to be very explosive and score a lot of points. But I am that defense does need to yeah. step up and you know to really get, get it going here. Um, yeah, I, I have no worries about Wake Forest. Okay, tell me about Virginia Tech. You were at Virginia Tech. You were there with the huddle. Virginia Tech beats Old Dominion thirty-six to seventeen. Again, giving up seventeen, similar to a team like Old Dominion. But Grant Wells, seventeen of twenty-nine for two fifty-one, three touchdowns. A lot better than he has been. Allie Jennings looks like the real deal. So this offense looked better, but just overall vibes from Hokie Land. Well, I, I do have to say this, and we probably should have started with here because I just literally left this place. I cannot say this enough. Every single time that we go to Virginia Tech, I am blown away. Like, those fans are nuts. They are amazing. That team is so thankful for it and, and the community that surrounds it. This is a team that was awful. Yeah, they won three games. Bad. Three games. Playing against ODU, who they lost to week one of this new season, and there was not a seat in the house, yeah. KG. I'm talking about upper corners. Hokie fans are different. you want to look, they are different. And that was awesome. The entrance is just sick. Uh, Eddie Royal and I got to do that, uh, which I'll send you the video <laughs> later, KG. You, you're going to love it. It was cool. Um, just to be a part of that was nuts. 
Um, and so I love going to that place. Love the staff. Love the town. Love everything about Virginia Tech. Um, but here's all, another little bad thing. I'm just full of bad stuff today. I need to go. <laughs> I need to go get in the sun. That first half, I'm like, here we go again. Yeah. Can't do anything. They had it was a 80 struggle. yards. 80 yards in the first half. And I'm like, this is horrible football. Like, what am I watching? The good thing is they were winning, number one. Great. <laughs> uh, the second thing is close. It was 10 to 16. Wasn't comfortable. Uh, then they go into halftime, come out, look like a different team. You know, Grant really settled in, was flawless. I mean, he was throwing the ball all over the yard, 253 touchdowns. Ollie Jennings emerged. I mean, I don't know what the game plan was, why it took so long yeah. to throw him the ball, but here's some breaking news. Throw him the ball. Okay. Good things are going to happen. Um, and then, you know, I think the run game needs to improve a little bit more. You know, 40 attempts, only 100 yards isn't great. Um, but the one kind of, again, silver lining, I thought the defense played out of their mind. I thought they played really, really good, even though the 17 points, tackles for loss, turnovers, special team scoring points. Uh, you know, APR there, the transfer from Florida, you know, looked fantastic, led the team in tackles, two sacks, two TFLs, just a million pressures. I think that there's some promise there, and these guys can continue to rally together, get some confidence that you saw in that second half, and let, let's go to work because those fans deserve they it. They deserve it. And, uh, my God, I, I just I can't imagine a top 15 Virginia Tech team. Like, that place would literally explode. I can't That's imagine how much crazier it would be because it's already so great. Yeah. Um, but they deserve that, and, and I hope that uh, we can get back to that sooner than later. Yeah, they absolutely deserve it. Those Hokie fans, we, we love them. Okay, Mac, one more uh, win here we need to discuss. NC State beats UConn. This was on Thursday night. NC State beats UConn 24-14. to 14. I told you UConn was going to cover. Ooh. The defense, so here's the thing, Mac. The defense, which you were very high on, they gave up that opening drive touchdown and then gave up seven points the rest of the game. So the defense really did their job. The issue with NC State, again, not running the ball very well. Armstrong ran it but you can't really run it with your backs. And then my biggest question, where are the wide receivers? It seems wherever Brendan Armstrong goes, he doesn't really yeah. have dudes that can catch the ball for him, Mac. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, would, that was interesting. You know, I, I did think the passing offense would be a little bit better. Um, but that was always our question mark. Right, because they lost the so many guys? games from last year. Yeah, and the year before that. Yeah. Like, who are the skill guys that are going to step up? That's always been our question. And, and, you know, really thought I'd see more from Lassane. Um and they'll figure it out. Like, it takes time. Like, it's one thing to, to have chemistry and practice. It's a total another animal in a game when it matters. And it's a brand traveling new system. Traveling on the road. Brand new system. It's week one. You're traveling. I'm sure it wasn't a packed house there. So you're like, why are we here? Um, so I'm sure there was a lot that went into it. I did like that they attempted to run the ball. And they ran it okay, effectively. 46 times, you know, for 200 yards there. I, I did like the running attack, KG. But I would like to see not Brendan Armstrong with 19 yeah. carries. <laughs> Uh, let's bring that down to maybe 10 uh, and give, give some other guys, and they have to do their part too. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the defense uh, led by our guy Peyton Wilson, played out of his mind, looked great flying around all over the place. Da Davin Van looked exceptional. Cornerbacks looked so good. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential for this team. I'm kind of – not that I'm not counting it, but I'm kind of wiping this game because it's on the road. Okay. The opponent is good. It's a bowl team. Uh, and, and, you know, not that it, it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen, but I'm kind of – I'm kind of wiping. I think we'll see a much different team against Notre Dame this coming Saturday at high noon. Well, uh, you're going to need to because Notre Dame <laughs> has looked pretty darn good. Excited for that yeah. game, Mac. All right, we got to finish with the bad here. Just just some quick thoughts. Um, 
We told you Tennessee was going to win this game by 28 points or more. Tennessee beats Virginia 49 to 13. Tony Musket gets hurt. That's not yeah. good. We don't know if he's yeah. going to even come back with the pain that he looked like he was in. I'm not sure he will. Right. And you don't have Chico Bennett, which is your best defensive player. So, Mac, um, any thoughts on this game? It, you know, the first half was good. Yes, it was. And here's the deal. They were in scoring position twice, only came up with three points. Can't do that. Right. Especially against a great team that Tennessee is. Um, and then who knows what would have changed if that happened, you know, because then you're like some doubt creeps in. Right. Who knows? You get some you know, it could get crazy. It could get crazy. You get confidence, they start down. Um, you know, I thought the run game was, you know, it's tough when you when you're going against an opponent like that. Uh, but they were committed to it, ran it 40 times. Um, you just got to get some more dudes at the end of the day. And I, I did think the defense, and again, in the first half was exceptional. Yeah. You know, they, they forced some three and outs, forced some punts, forced some turnovers, things of that nature. So th- there is promise, but I think there's there's a way to go. And I know that football team was extremely elated yeah. to be back on the yeah. field, uh, to play with each other, and uh, again, to see the constant um, remembrance, you know, of those players all year long is going to be special and you know, it was cool to see all, all of that. And that's a tough opener. I don't care who you yeah. are. That's a We're, really tough yeah, opener. Neutral site, but it's in Nashville. Yeah, it's it wasn't neutral. Ball fans everywhere. Right. Yeah, it wasn't. And neutral. coming off the tragedy that you're coming off of. Yeah. All right, Mac, last game. Northern Illinois beats Boston College 27-24 to 24 in overtime. And that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pat Garwo, 10 carries for 43 yards, Mac. I know the quarterback situation is a disaster, but... We can't, we can't run the ball at all, man. And it's the same. It looks the same. And I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. Um, that That's honestly one of those games that, you know, as the week goes on, I'm just going to have to dive into so much just to look at what happened. What, and why, they almost why came back wrong. and won it. That's what's crazy. Right. They did. And, and you know, I think what, what's going to be interesting is with, you know, Castellanos, do you just say, go be an athlete, figure it out? Yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're going to let you run. We're going to let you throw it. You got to make it happen. You're You're our best option there. Emmett Moorhead, I, I'm not sure what happened. Um, I'm confused. In between media day and, and the first snap. Uh, I mean, I thought that guy was going to be nuts. I thought he was going to be great. And uh, I don't know. And I, I hope it's nothing too crazy. Um, but he just didn't look confident. You know, he's sailing balls. Never seen him do that yeah. in the in the previous things that we had seen from him. Um, you know, defense obviously has to be better. I mean, they were running the ball uh, at will, throwing the ball at will. Um yeah, a lot that they have to do at BC. That that was a, a brutal loss for the league. That was rough. That was rough. They can get back on track, hopefully, this week. Um, but again, I mean, they fought back and almost came back and won that game in overtime. So, Mac, what a weekend it was in the ACC. Florida State getting it done. North Carolina getting it done. Duke stunning Clemson. I mean, so much went down in week one. Week two is going to be excellent as well. So stay tuned. We're coming at you on Friday. Cannot wait, KG, because the ball keeps rolling. Got to figure it out. This train doesn't stop. The season is here. Week two is coming up. A lot of great games uh, that I cannot wait to preview on Friday. It was a little wonky schedule. We appreciate y'all bearing with us this week. We'll be back to normal next week with the Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of review, big guest episode, and then, of course, the preview on Friday. So that's it from us. Another great episode of Gramlich and Mac Lane. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate Ingles, our great sponsor, and all the support that they give us there. We need you to do us a favor, though. Go over to YouTube, subscribe, jump on this train with us. you got to see all this fun stuff uh, that we're doing over here. And, of course, leave some comments. It's always fun. 
to hear from you guys there and interact with you. And then the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. We greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, But that's it from us. Until next time, we'll see y'all.